Hi, this is Violet Lang. Welcome to my podcast, The Pleasure Path, all about love, dating, relationships, and femininity. I help successful spiritual women find their pleasure and their power to create healthy partnership. Learn about what Carol calls the mother load and why it's important to be conscious about what you may be taking on from your mother, as well as celebrating that she gave you life. We talk about sexuality as mothers and so much more, so you don't want to miss it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another juicy episode of The Pleasure Path. I am here with my special guest, Carol Eisenberg, and she is doing a really amazing thing called the Mother Load Experience. But before we dive into that, I just want you to know that she has a really rich and dynamic background in creativity and storytelling and media, and I can't wait for her to share her nuggets of wisdom. So Carol, welcome and feel free to introduce yourself. Well, first of all, thanks for having me here. And I love the idea of being on a podcast. It's called The Pleasure Path because I am totally, totally um, about pleasure. Um, You know, I love to talk about the, you know, incredible, important uh, relationship of a mother. She's the first powerful role model in our lives and sets the tone for a lot of things. So this work is really an exploration of ourselves and how she affects us and how we can also make some changes if we're not so happy with the way things are. Yes. Well, thank you for being here and let's dive in. So tell me a bit more about why you're passionate about this and how this came to be. When you heal, you heal back through the generations going back and obviously forward. And one of the questions that we always ask is, do you want to be the change agent for your family? Because we, you know, when we were looking, and we've been doing this work for quite a while, I have a partner named Sue Keel, and we've developed this work together. And we used to, we were a little bit more academic. We used to talk about the matrilineal line, but sometimes people would glaze over. So we, you know, we wanted to kind of let people understand what this was, but in a, in a bit more, I don't know, accessible language. So we said that it's, you know, breakthrough. You could see either family ancestry patterns or breakthrough, you know, generational patterns to actually create that next level of you. If that's what, you know, if that's what you're looking for, because, you know, for all of us, rarely do I ever meet a group of women, especially if I say, if I start with just saying, What's, your, what's the story of your relationship with your mother? What is that story? Is it supportive? Was it someone that was difficult? Was she critical? I mean, what's the story? Most women have a story that is not satisfying, that they wished it could be something else. They were, there's a lot of longing and yearning for something that they wish that they could have. And I think that what becomes important is that we have to become the ones that we're looking for. But when you begin to look at a family, there are themes that arise in a family. You know, there's, we always say, you're like, what's the family headline? And if you look at it, it's not just your mother, because, you know, I'm sure that you've talked a little bit about epigenetics. Have you, you are you familiar with that? Yes. So, yeah. So that, you know, you're really carrying so many things, you know, not just your mother and your grandmother, things that you don't even understand, feelings. Sometimes you are left with, you know, feelings and moods and anxiety, and they actually, in a way, don't belong to you at present time. But you're, you know, it's something that you carry in your body. Don't remember that 
just in your relationship with your mother, you're carried as you carry, you're carried in this person's body for nine months. And there's this enormous communication that you have, you know, the biology of it is enormous. And then we are so, you know, vulnerable for such a long time. So we're watching everything, the moods, the behavior, the everything. So we're like little ducklings in a way that are just, you know, following what goes on as she followed and she followed and she followed. So sometimes if you're really looking at the family pattern, you may want to say, you know what, the buck stops here. So if you look at it in terms of storytelling, how do you want to write this new story? Well, how, what, what is the new story that you want to write? What are the new elements that you want to create for yourself? And that's, you know, that's an amazing opportunity. But when you ask me, how did I become interested in this? I always loved storytelling. I mean, that is for me, the basis of, of everything that I love. And there was a time when I worked in film and television and all the films, when I look back on it, everything that I worked on, I was involved with a film called The Color Purple and a miniseries called The Women of Brewster Place, very much female centric, very much about relationships, very much about women that wanted to take their power back in, in some way. And although it was a really exciting thing to do for a while. There was a point that I felt that I wanted to work more directly. There was a there was a need on my part to really, you know, be more engaged. This work is not about so much changing your relationship with your mother. It's changing your relationship with your mother as your own internal state. So the more conscious you can be, you know, I guess the word that's used a lot is the more woke you can be to your own life so that you can be responsive and not reactive to when things come across. You know that that's an energetic thing that you feel you're attracted to someone that feels as though they're grounded, not perfect, because, you know, what perfect is boring, but someone that, you know, that's kind of owning themselves what's and all. So, you know, that's, you know, there's a, a concept you know, the wabi-sabi concept and, you know, it, it's kind of like the beauty and the um, kind of the beauty and the tear or the beauty and the break. I mean, I think that this trickles down through our relationships with our children, but our relationships with our friends and our relationships with the planet and how we interact with the earth and the seasons and, um, you know, all of, all of nature. And especially in our relationships with the significant other, like a lot of the women that I work with, the first thing we do is reparenting, reparenting ourselves. And so we're not expecting our partner to mother us or to father us or to be someone that they can't be because they weren't living with us at that time of that trauma, even though we might be reenacting it. And if we don't do that work, like you're talking about, then we just get bit. Like you said, we keep biting the, the hook when it comes to a future partner. Right. And I agree with a lot of what Harville Hendricks writes about that we choose partners that can help us heal this original developmental trauma. And I don't go into all of his work, you know, in the ways that I work with women, but I think it's such an important time to do the healing. And then to your point, stand in your center and set the boundaries you need to right. set. I think it's important to do the healing work first and take it inside and figure out what works for you, what doesn't work for you and redefine the values that mothering means to you. I know in, in my family of origin, you know, being in, a, being in our feelings wasn't always uh, something that was rewarded or something that was acceptable. And I think it's a gift now that the whole society is becoming more emotionally intelligent to allow us all to have our feelings and process our feelings and um, use them as fuel to then change the patterning in the family versus letting those old emotions continue to run everything. Right. 
and it keeps changing. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not, not a static thing. It changes. We feel differently. You, I, I, I love Harville Hendricks' work. I think his work is great. It's a piece of work that I did that I think that you know, there's a collective consciousness, I think, about work that has a similar feeling to it. I did a piece of work called IBP, it was Integrative Body Psychotherapy. And mm-hmm. I found that to be one of the most powerful programs that I was ever involved with. And the feeling is that if you don't get certain messages from your parents by the time you're three, you never get them from an external source. So the idea of parenting is really important. And I think what happens is people end up looking for love in all the wrong places. Totally. I mean, that's why I do what I do, helping women find love, because if they knew the stuff we were talking about, then, you know, it'd be easier. We'd be, it'd be easier to attract it to ourselves. Yeah. And, and, you know, end up, it looks different. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's the same thing over and over again. So that place where you can begin to recognize those patterns so that you don't have to keep on doing that because listen, you know what, it, it is our choice, you know, and life can be, listen, you have to have it all. There's no such thing as, I mean, anybody, the people that are just about the light, the light, the light, I mean, that's ridiculous. I feel that you have to embrace it all. You know what? It's just, you know what, and especially raising children is an extremely messy situation. I always say that's that. That's and I feel it's a very humbling experience too. It's a really humbling experience. There were a couple of things that my kids said to me that were hilarious. First of all, when they were young, they wanted me to be a regular mom. They felt that I was weird. They wanted this other mother whose name was Carol, but she let them eat sugar cereal. And it was like, it, it, was, it was hilarious. And they used to say to them, you'll appreciate me later on. But I didn't think I realized how much later on it was going to take for that to happen. But the most... <laughs> But the thing they said to me that actually was the best is, you know, Ma, you know, this is the thing, Ma, you're real. And I thought, well, you know what? I don't know if I could get a better compliment than you're real. Because it's like, I tried to really, that who they saw was really who I was. And that, you know, and I, I wanted them to have more of a sense of that than anything else. And it gave them maybe more permission for their own weirdness. I mean, I do feel that we have to... And, you know, this is the other thing that I feel. I feel that especially raising boys. So I had two boys. I feel that we ultimately, we raise these boys that ultimately abuse us. I mean, like in a collective way, because I feel that, and I have known in my life, women on the outside, they were such strong feminists. And yet in the intimacy of their own homes, you know, in what their boy saw in relation to their husband was not a strong, you know, was not a strong woman. There was all of that, you know, it, that that kind of like denigrating stuff that went on. And I've done work when when I very first started, I actually did a piece of work with mothers and pre-adolescent girls and fathers mm-hmm. and pre-adolescent girls. And when I was working with the fathers, I, you know, all the fathers said, you know, I want my daughter to be strong. I want her to be, you know. And I said, well, if you want her to be strong, then you can't look at women, uh, you know, you can't look at a movie or television and, you know, make disparaging comments. And if you want her to be strong, then you can't, don't make disparaging comments about your wife. Think about what you say because your words have meaning and power. Mm-hmm. And I think culturally now as women, we're, we're way less likely to put up with that. Like, why would we, you know, let that situation happen. We'd fix ourselves or work on our own narrative or our own, 
you know, energy or work with our partner or get help with our partner. Um, I'm very, yeah, I'm very attuned to those subtle relational dynamics and how easy it is for women to just accept the negative talk because it maybe mirrors what they heard where they're growing up, or maybe it mirrors the way that they talk to themselves, but it's just crap. Like there's no, there's no need for that. This iteration of mother load, actually, I, I had moved to New York for a while. And when I moved back here, um, I, I became involved. There was a wonderful why in Santa Monica. It's not, it doesn't exist there anymore, but I became involved with them and they were lovely. They actually said I could use them as a little laboratory. And we were actually going to do an event around Mother's Day. You know, it's like, what is mother really in this culture? That was, it was, that was the question. So we decided we hadn't done too much work for a while. So we did a focus group. We brought a group of women together mostly mothers of that were whose kids were at, an, at the nursery school at this why and we pose this question you know what's the story of your relationship with your mother now this was a very kind of a uh, very uh, multicultural group and you know what and um and income levels also and it was fascinating the this period piece of work grew out of that because even though we had started it doing an event and we just did a focus group. At the end of it, we looked at each other and everybody said they wanted more because for a couple of reasons. First of all, it gave the women a chance to be together. They had seen each other for years, but they had never really talked to each other. And all of a sudden, you know, we had used kind of the council method and we asked this question. And so it's sort of everybody's answer is different, but the same in a way. And it's that thing about storytelling, hearing people's stories. And what I want to do with Motherload is have it be something that's available to women at every level. Because, you know, once you touch a woman with a little bit of, you know, consciousness, everything opens up. Absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit more about Motherload. Like what is, yeah, just tell us a bit about that. Um, well, you know, actually, so usually when over the years when we've done motherload, we've done them in large and small groups. Uh, sometimes it's been a three week, you know, we've done it in three week, four week, six week. We've done it as an, a weekend intensive. Um, we've done it a day long intensive also. And, you know, the, the, the journey in motherload is really, you know, it's just to really wake up to what it is that you want to create. And there's a, there's this wonderful poem. We're the ones that we've been waiting for. Are you familiar with that poem? It's a great yeah. poem. It's sort of like, so we really want to offer women that opportunity. And both Sue and I have a background, you know, in theater and, you know, film. So it's a very interactive experience. It's not just, um, it's not just all teaching, but it's, it's a really interactive experience and it's a full body experience. And I'm, you know, I have a background in yoga and Qigong. We bring everything in because I want the, I want it to be a full body experience because you know, you hold things in your body that you don't even realize. So yeah. the experience is always, you know, it, it's a very multi aspect. I mean, I, I always, there's always poetry that's involved. There's journaling that's involved. You know what? One of the things that we love to do is give women the experience to do a conscious rant. When have you ever yeah. had a chance to really rant with a group that's egging you on and you could say and do anything, all those things that you've held in. So we try to do, you know, a real panoply of, you know, of experiences, but Obviously, since the world has changed, 
there's not an opportunity to do these, you know, in, in person. This is the first time a few weeks ago, I launched Motherload as an online experience and it was completely new. I, I wasn't even sure what it would be like and it en ended up actually being great. I'm not surprised. I think so much can be done virtually now and you do feel a sense of connection. So this is a chance to really go deep and you know, it's almost like a, an archeological dig within and really mine your own everything so that you can make some choices from choice and not because it's been that way. And that was, it was such a fun experience to do that. You know, I actually started my coaching business completely virtual. Like I never did any in-person, even though right. I do a lot of somatic work. Right. So it's, um, yeah, the possibilities are endless. So what I'm hearing is it's a very deep dive into creating a new narrative so that you can build a life and a family of choice and that you can, um, individuate yourself from your mother, but without losing the gold and without losing the gifts. And um, sounds like you do a lot of really cool work physically and emotionally and um, subconsciously. And um, yeah, I really want to be able to, you know, serve, even though mother load actually began more for women, we actually have been bringing more men into it because men have the same, you know, they different, oh, but the yeah. same issues. <laughs> Right. If not more, I think. It's oh, the right. First right. process. I mean, yeah. 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 And actually, the way that it ended up happening was that I have a bow now. I always say we're told I we're too old. I can't call him my boyfriend, but I call him my bow. And he's been very supportive of the work and he really wanted to get an experience of what the work was like. So we did a little mini Zoom session and we went around and he had an epiphany about his mother which, you know, he had never really looked at his relationship with his mother. And he was the one that said, this is not just for women, this is for men. And then we did a focus group and we brought a group of men together. And it was just fascinating just to see what it was like, you know, to bring the men together. And many of the men that I know would say, you know, I never really looked at it that way. I never really... You know, sometimes a guy feels, well, it's about my father or I have to be, you know, the whole, you know, the whole guy thing, I have to be strong. But that's such a vulnerable place to look at that relationship. I feel that ultimately my goal is I love, I feel that there's a lot of healing that has to go on between men and women because I feel it's a bit of a battleground. And just look at the divorce rate in this culture. I mean, if you... It's kind of the micro and the macro. It's not so great out there. I think there's an incredible opportunity for healing to really bring all of this to another level. That That's one of my real dreams. Yes. And I think it starts within, you know, healing the divine masculine and divine feminine within ourselves, totally. within our partnerships and how we communicate and the assumptions and the beliefs that we have about men or about the, um, patriarchy or power structures in the world, because it is all shifting. I mean, I think that's one of the gifts of coronavirus is we're all taking a deeper cut at who are we? What do we want to do? Why are we here? What works and what doesn't work as society? We, we can create a new way within each of us and then within our families. I mean, I definitely think that the new society that we're building is based on the family unit, is based on smaller units, whether it's a startup or whether it's a family or whether it's a collective, it's it's not just about massive structures. It's about what's growing underneath all of those structures and 
I feel like more people than ever are conscious and wanting to become more conscious about their parenting and their children and the values that their family stands for. Our my husband and I always say, you know, our family is about being playful and radiating love and honoring each other's souls instead of our, like how we think the other person should act, which sometimes is easier said than done. One of the questions we pose is, did you have an experience that your mother said to you, sex is just an amazing thing? Really learn to honor yourself and the right no. to <laughs> this is something that is going to be, it was like, no, no, and more no. And, you know, especially in my group, it's like, and you're going to get pregnant and a boy is equivalent to getting pregnant. So if you say, and the opposite is that for a guy, it's all like, did you get some? So it's yeah. sort of the inequality of that is so enormous. And when I did the group with mothers and pre-adolescent girls, one of the women in the group was a doctor and she was completely freaked out that we actually did a piece on sexuality that was age appropriate for these girls that were, I don't know, 11 or 12 years old. So any of the things that like, I feel that we are fucked sexually. I mean, you know, <laughs> it, so that, that is a big piece of the stuff that we get into. That's a really big piece of what we get into. That was the piece, the two things that went, that went crazy about, about triggers <laughs> and about sexuality. Because we did a small, we did a small, like a pop-up on sexuality when we could meet. And three quarters of the women had either been raped or had been abused. And I feel oh, that- Most yeah. of my clients are survivors of sexual trauma and I am as well. And it's interesting because the triggers and the sexuality, they're embodiment. And our culture teaches women to not be in their bodies. They're like, decorate and adorn your body for others, but don't actually feel your body. Don't make contact with your own sensations or needs or desires or anger or any of those things. You know, there's a woman, do you, are you familiar with Sherry Winston? Have you ever seen her work? Oh, I love her book, Women's Anatomy of Arousal. I actually <laughs> use that in my courses. Yeah, I'm all about it. I love her. And what did she say? She wanted to recontextualize the word slut. And when I yes. used I said that, and then there's one of, there's a guy that's in one of the groups who's an old, who's an old friend of me. And he did like, I forget, you know, he did a, I forget what the word is, but he used, you know, different words for slut. And I'm in a new relationship. I was married for many years and I got divorced and I wasn't with anybody for a long time. So I'm in a new relationship. So I always say, we're like altacaca sex. I mean, to have to start a new relationship at this stage of life, it's in a way fascinating. I feel like my own science experiment of my life. But That's it's so fun like though. Watching how all, yeah, watching how all this stuff comes up. You know what's funny? I'm actually writing a book. It's not done, but I have the first draft almost done about sexuality for mothers and how often we abandon our own sexuality when we become moms. And then we get resentful of our husbands. Um, and then that anger builds and then we're just angry all the time. And it's mainly just because we have this patriarchal belief that we have to choose between being a good mom or being a sexually expressed person. And when we change that belief and learn how to reconnect with our bodies, then our relationship flourishes and everything flourishes. So yeah. Well, you know, when you have a child, it's figuring out the balance. And it helps, helps me to remember, like, you know, I'm not really here to control my daughter. I'm here to just be a guide so that her soul can be as fully expressed as possible and learn the lessons it needs to learn with as, with as much support and with as much um, grace as, as she can. But it's already been a, an adventure with only just one year. One of my teachers would always say, you know, ch your children don't owe their parents anything. Like, it's not like it's this contract where you, my, Ruby, Ruby doesn't owe me anything. You know, she could decide whatever she wants to decide later in life. And 
it's just the gift of my lifetime to be able to spend this time with her that she chose to be here with me for however long that she did. And I just relish that. And like we were saying at the beginning, it's going by so quickly. Ironically, I think that mindset gives you the most return. Like when I'm just doing it because of the joy, then I'm receiving infinitely. But when I'm thinking about uh, other things, <laughs> then it becomes more like a task. It so sounds like you were in the right place at the right time with this daughter of yours. Uh, I'm, I, yeah, I'm obsessed. <laughs> I love her, but also giving her lots of, lots of um, chance to learn on her own and be independent too, as much as she can as, as a little one. Um, but thank you so much for sharing your time with us and um, here on the show. How would people find out? How would people find out about your next motherload experience or get in touch with you? Well, if they go on Facebook, it's the motherload experience. You can just request to join the Facebook group. Thanks for tuning in and turning on for healthy love, because better relationships mean more power, more creativity, and a better planet. I'm here to end the suffering of abuse and loneliness, and it starts with you. Please subscribe to my show and leave a review.